This is Rating Descending, where we watch IMDb's Worst 250 so you don't have to. I'm Michelle St. Clair. I'm Abigail Ward. And this week we watched Driven. A young hotshot driver is in the middle of a championship season and is coming apart at the seams. A former kart champion is called in to give him guidance. Let's watch. Home phone. Isn't it wild that it is actually home phone? I know. Thing? I yeah. know. Yeah. I, I, you feel like they might have foreseen that people would get it confused eventually because phone home makes a lot more sense. But Yeah. What I love about it is it, it also makes me think of the way we've totally changed the actual meaning of the Mandela effect, mm. which we now just use to be like, oh, we all culturally misremember a thing in pop culture as something different when it was actually etc right yeah. but the original mandela effect stated that that was the case because it was actually a crossover between parallel dimensions and included a lot more pseudo spirituality into it and it's fucking buck wild as a theory <laughs> um but i like this new term of like oh, don't we all sometimes forget exactly how the line goes <laughs> uh, which is much more fun yes you know what I've had stuck in my head recently? What have you had stuck in your head recently? I was listening to Lemon Demon's Spirit Phone album, which came out in like 2016, and I didn't listen to it because I went through like a phase of rejecting everything I liked when I was a teenager. And I was like, well, yeah, it's cool that it came out, but I'm like beyond that now. I, don't, I shouldn't listen to it or I'm just as awful as I was as a teenager or whatever stupid shit. It's got some legit bops in it. There's some mm. songs in it that I feel like would chart if it was released by an actual label. Like I've been listening to um, fucking Folklore by Taylor Swift. I didn't think I would, but I mm. have. I've started listening to it. I like kind of like didn't bother to pay attention to it when it came out, but then I listened to like one or two songs off of it just out of curiosity. And then it was like a real gradual thing of like, yeah, yeah. okay, those were fine. Yeah, okay, you know, they're growing on me. Oh, I like this one too. Okay, I'll listen to that a bit. And now I've just been listening to the first five songs on repeat because the rest of the album kind of blows. But yeah, now I'm like a fully fledged one third of folklore fan. That's cool. Yeah. Do you ever feel like as you're getting older, you really go back to the things that you arbitrarily didn't like for a period of time and realize that you did just not like them arbitrarily? Every time I think that I don't like something, I try to question why. Yeah. And a lot of the time I'm like, oh, I think I don't like it because I'm worried of what people will think if I do like it. So I've stopped doing that. Yeah. That is not a way to live. Yeah. And also I can't spend my life preoccupied with wondering what people perceive me as. Mm. That's not my job. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm starting to get to that place, you know, I mentioned a few episodes ago me re-listening to Neil Cesariga shit and then just bursting into tears because it was just unloading of past trauma. And it's, like, nicer to be, like, I can just go, I like that thing. Yeah. I also like that thing. And, like, it, it's just, it's that's nice. Just, you're, that's your right as a human being. Yeah. Don't waste your life on this planet not liking things because you're worried about what other people will think. It's it's honestly so freeing to just unironically like things. Yeah, you 100%. Can just, I think me of, like, even, yeah. I don't know, three or four years ago would have been like, oh, I, don't, I don't 
don't listen to Taylor. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, nah, I'm an indie girl. But, like, fuck it. Taylor makes catchy music. And she's yeah. made a really beautiful third of an album. <laughs> third. <laughs> I don't, I, it's, it's remarkable how good that first third is and then the way the rest of it just slips off. Yeah. Um, I feel but, like- yeah, just, I don't know. It, it is very freeing to be, like, yeah, I'm going to like what I like. I feel like when I was younger, I felt so... Com- I felt so much pressure to only like things that were good. So I would only watch movies that were good. And if I liked something that was later received as bad, I would then denounce it entirely. Yeah. But like, you can just like it. Yeah. Right. Like we all have like a preoccupation with being cool. It's a mm. very universal thing. We want to be cool. And that can take on a lot of forms, but the coolest thing, you can't be cool via what you're into or what your interests are. You're not yeah. cooler for listening to this album over that album. You're not yeah. cooler because you don't like Taylor Swift. What makes you cool is your attitude. You can like the dumbest shit ever, but as long as you're confident about the fact that you like it, you're already there. You're cool. You know what's really cool? Being safety. alive. Yeah, being alive. <laughs> <laughs> and safety. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, because I felt like I always did it. Less from, like, I want to be cool because I was way too low on the rung today. It was more to, like, escape the bottom. Yeah. It's the thing that where nerds are then uh, really mean and vicious and sometimes racist or sexist to people they are below them because it's a power thing. I have no power, so I will hold power over you. Yeah. When you're at the very bottom, you 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 can't necessarily go lower. So I was like, can I just get out? Yeah, you can use your interests as a vehicle to seem cooler. It's just yeah. a facade. And then you get older and you're like, oh, shit, the facade is obviously shallow and it will break if anyone taps it. Yeah. I'm very insecure and I feel very uncool. Yeah, and that has made me cry a lot of times because being that vulnerable of just saying, like, I really like The Last Jedi makes me want to shake and cry <laughs> yeah. if I say it in the right scenario. But, like, now I'm just like, yeah, it... I thought it was a good movie. You didn't like it? Okay. Exactly. Just live with the fact that people have, have will have different ideas and different um, opinions on things and you can still like that thing and it doesn't actually question who you are as a person. Yeah. Because I know that, yeah, like sometimes I feel like we seek approval in the things that we like and it's just completely unnecessary. Yeah. It's cool to like what you like. What I struggle with is when it's something where it's like a, a cultural flashpoint like Last Jedi or more recently Last of Us Part 2 where like the reasons it's disliked are often part of the greater political culture. Yeah. I'm still finding it hard to move past getting upset in, with those because mm. I'm like, well, I like this and and the reason that some people don't like it are not cool reasons. Like this fucking movie is maybe one of the most buck wild things I've ever watched in is my it, life. Is it on par, like, in terms of your research, is it on par with Ra 1 or is it just, like, a step below? In Okay, so in terms of quality, it's well below, right? Ra 1 was, like, a good time. That was batshit. This was a really awful time. <laughs> it's really bad. But, God. It just, gave me an anxiety attack. It did. Like, I was, my heart rate was up for, like, two hours. We've said before that some of the movies are like, oh, man, like, it's competently edited and it's it looks like it's shot well, whatever. 
This one, everyone did a bad job. Every single person everyone did a bad job. Everyone let it down. Everyone let it down. It was like if anyone out there has seen the video essay that deconstructs what makes the editing of the recent film Bohemian Rhapsody so bad, this was that for the whole movie. <laughs> I've never seen such incompetence in editing in my lifetime. It would just be like wide, extreme close-up, extreme close-up, over-the-line mid-shot, wide, over-the-other-line mid-shot, close-up up wide and i love that like films are obviously visual so you inherently get the scene blocked for you when you watch something like you see a shot and you're like okay i know where everyone is if it's a wide if everyone's in the shot but even when they had a wide you couldn't quite tell where everyone was and then they'd cut to a different close-up and you're like wait where's he what where's he where's he looking yeah they crossed the line all the time they did i never had any sense of physical space. No, I've never watched a film, a visual film. I've never watched a visual film. Um, I've, I've never, never watched, watched a non-visual film. I've never watched a film and been so visually confused. Yeah. It's like writing a screenplay where they haven't placed the characters in there, but you're yeah. actually watching the, the finished film and you're still wondering where everyone's standing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I only know where they were f- from context <laughs> like they're talking about races i guess they're at the racetrack <laughs> I, but we just don't know <laughs> i never had any idea where they were in relation to, to each other a lot of the shots of the racing i'd had no idea whether like it would be only extreme close-ups of high speed racing which doesn't give you any context of what the fuck is going on <laughs> Also, a lot of the shots were zooming in at all times. It would be just like a dialogue scene and every second shot would be zooming in or panning across. Give I- me some general info about this film. Okay. When well, was it made? Who directed it? Who wrote it? So I'll I'll get into some of it. It was from 2001. Sylvester Stallone wrote and produced it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was his name? Rennie Harlan, a Finnish film director, directed it. I'll talk about him later. I'll get into the overview so that we can keep talking into some of the specific batshits. So I thought you said he's a finished film director, and I was like, well, yeah, after Driven, his career would be finished. Oh, he made other movies after, but we're worse. Um, this Impossible. is a long overview because there's a fucking lot of details in this movie, and I didn't pick up on almost any of these while watching them. I love it, because for Psycho, I gave the shortest overview yeah. ever, and now you're doing a long one. It evens it out. <laughs> okay. Wait. <laughs> Sorry. Every fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway through the 2000 champ car season, rookie driver Jimmy Bly has won five races and is catching up to reigning champion Bo Brandenburg. But the pressure piles on to Jimmy, in part due to his brother-slash-business manager, DeMille. Meanwhile, Brandenburg breaks off his engagement with Sophia and goes on to win the next race and regaining his lead. Worried that Jimmy is losing it, the owner of Jimmy's team, Carl Henry, calls on Joe Tanto, a former champion driver, to come out of retirement and mentor Jimmy. Things are further complicated by the fact that Jimmy's now-former-teammate teammate Memo is married to Joe's ex-wife, Kathy. There is so much going on here. Yeah, I, that's, that was the first act. <laughs> okay. Tanto starts training Jimmy and acts as his blocker, helping him secure a comeback win in the next race. However, DeMille expresses a dislike for Joe's mentoring, and Joe subsequently expresses his own dislike for the methods used to win the race. Meanwhile, Jimmy starts expressing a romantic interest in Sophia, allegedly causing him to lose focus, and he subsequently loses the next race in Japan. Joe urges Brandenburg and Sophia to reconcile, and they do so at an event in Chicago showcasing the new car models for the next season. 
Jimmy, not taking the news of Sophia getting back with Brandenburg too well, hops into one of the display cars and drives off from the party, racing down the streets of Chicago. Joe follows him and attempts to catch up with him, eventually getting him to stop and calm down. The team's owner pulls Joe out of the race and replaces him with Jimmy's old teammate, Memo. During the dangerous and rainy race, Jimmy tries to pull ahead of Brandenburg, but Memo decides to spite the team and take his own shot at winning and subsequently spins out of control and crashes into a lake in a dangerous crash. Jimmy and Brandenburg both stop the race and rush to Memo's help, narrowly pulling him to safety before the car explodes. Jimmy is injured, causing DeMille and the team's owner to attempt to leave him behind and sign on with Brandenburg before the final race. However, at the last minute, Jimmy insists on racing, passing a strength test. Brandenburg rejects DeMille's contract and Jimmy narrowly wins the race with the help of Joe. That's the movie. Loki didn't pick up on half of that in the actual film. I know. I was like, wow, that's actually interesting. Oh, really? That They have that relation? Oh. Yeah. What I, the fuck? I know. I, we paid pretty decent attention. Yeah. It, this movie forces you to not focus on it. I was it's because it overwhelms you just visually does. and you're like, I need a break. So you switch your brain off as a coping mechanism. Well, as I said, a lot of the scenes are directed as if they're like a little lyrical 20, you know, those little scenes that are like 20 mm. seconds long and the yeah. characters will have an exchange of like four lines while the music plays. Yeah. It's like swelling and then it dips down so they can go, yeah, I'm worried about this race. And someone goes, yeah, kid, but you got this. And then he'll nod and then the music will swell up again. Just let's but, touch on the music for a quick second, by okay, the way. Yeah. The music is bonkers. They had Fucking so many bonkers. tracks. None of them fit the scene properly. And there would be like three for one scene. It'd like come in and out and they'd choose a different track and stop it halfway through and choose a different one. They would all overwhelm the sound as well. And they were all like early 2000s shit R&B. It was really like all like awful. down tempo, like, oh. It was almost like lounge music. Gonna tell you why. Yeah. I could be your guy. I just made that up. That could be a fucking song. It could, yeah. It was I all that sort of I was like, a musician. It was all the, like, after the big beat era of, um, what's his name, Fatboy Slim got commercialized, that music. They even used a Fatboy Slim song. Yes, <laughs> because this is what I mean. It was like the wave of music that followed onto it yeah. but was worse. Yeah. That was the soundtrack for this movie, and it sucked, and it was so much louder than everyone's dialogue. It it just... I couldn't hear what anyone was saying. It swallowed the lines. And <laughs> then on did. top of that, you also had Sylvester Stallone that would come in and be like... Hey, going? There was. I remember there was the one bit after they raced through the streets of Chicago in a professional racing car that they stole. He stops him and he's giving him a monologue and there's this very loud music and he doesn't give a single break in his dialogue. He's like, hey, kid, you know, you got to remember that when you're going, you're just doing it for the race. You got to make sure it's that when you're doing big, it, you're just doing it for you. It's a big inspiring moment where he's like, Jimmy, don't give up. But it's all mushed into one really long sentence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Delivered with the pace as if someone is trying to take him away. Yeah. The the mixing was insane. It was too loud. And then when it wasn't loud, it was too soft. And then you also had Sylvester Stallone refusing to enunciate whatsoever. Yes. The sound mix really was a particular standout for how awful it was. I held the remote in my hand the whole time. So I could go up and down so we could hear the movie. Oh, my God. (laughs) I, I could hear someone making an argument for like, oh, it's a racing movie. You know, it's trying to be fast and overwhelmed. But no, it, no, no. It, it was just 
bad. <laughs> and as I said to you, this film made me appreciate Talladega Nights. Yeah. <laughs> I understood more about car racing in that movie than I did in this movie. They did it. Like, it made me realize they did a couple of key things that were really smart, such as they all had very distinctive colors. So when they were on the track, you knew exactly who you were yeah. looking at. Well, it was also funny and enjoyable. Apparently the colors that they used were actual, were based off of actual teams. Like they were just used two different particular team's colours. It's just they picked two teams who weren't very distinct from... Well, one was all red and the other one was red and a bit of blue. Yeah. It's just not a good choice. Yeah, and, and when you don't know that at the start of the film, you're like, who is that? I well, can't see him under his helmet, so who are we following? Well, it doesn't help that every shot establishing who's who is an extreme close-up. Also, I know this is a sports movie, right? This is the first sports movie we've God, done. this movie was fucking nuts! <laughs> it was the first sports movie that we've done. Yeah. Which is exciting in a sense. Um, but a lot of sports movies are always about like, it, they're never really about winning the game. It's about winning yeah. something else in your life. The game is like this, like a uh, surface level goal. And then they have an internal goal. Mm-hmm. He didn't have an internal goal. His no. literal goal was just, I want to win. And you were like, well, that's boring. Well, what I've, if you want to win, but you also want your dead wife back? I feel like they tried to give him that near the end where like he breaks his leg, trying to help Memo not die in a fiery explosion. But then he does go on to race and win the race. Yeah, almost was the key word there. Yeah. Stallone had the idea, Yeah, just didn't decide to follow through. It's just like, what if we just do both? Yeah. What if we do both movies? Also, the female, like the, the romantic oh, interest, that oh was bananas. My, oh, my God. Still using that word, bananas. She, she was, I mean, Estella Warren is bad at the best of times, but this was a particular... She didn't really do anything. She was kind of passed between the characters and I didn't understand why or who did or didn't like her. Never before has a romantic interest felt so much like a prop for two two male leads hating each other. Yeah. Because she's with the bad guy, Bo... Brandenburg. Brandenburg, played by Stiglitz from fucking Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. What a great face. Um, She's dating... She's engaged to him and then he's like i'm too focused on my career i can't be with you anymore and he leaves her Mm. and then jimmy's like hey i'm into you and she's like great so they go to japan together spend heaps of time together and then well wait well wait there's a whole thing that we didn't pick up on where robert sean leonard's character demille the brother really doesn't like sophia and doesn't like that jimmy is hanging out with sophia and says that to her that's why at the end she punches him in the face Right. Which didn't make any sense when watching it. When did that happen? Was it a ghost scene? Was it a phantom moment? I I don't know. What the fuck? This movie is like a freight train into your brain. It's. (laughs) (laughs) We tried our best. It dulls every sense all at once. So wait. So yeah, okay. So that happened. And then she, within the most bizarre scene ever, just talks to to Bo. Yeah. And and then he's like, I miss you. And she's like, I miss you. And Jimmy's getting upset because he can see them talking. And then what ensues is like two minutes of chaos and she leaves Jimmy in the same scene. Yeah. He goes, I miss you. And she's like, I miss you too. Sorry, Jimmy. We're over. Yeah. It was so weird. And that's when he takes off onto the streets of Chicago and almost kills like a hundred people. And by the way, they only get slapped with $25,000 fine. That's ridiculous. He stole a car and drove an unlicensed vehicle all down the streets of Chicago I mean, causing property damage that we see. he's also like a celebrity white male. I, so. I, I just, I can't. Uh, <laughs> Sports boy. I have a lot of trivia about that, by the way. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm keen. But yeah, Again, the, your your four pages look promising. Yeah, I know. Very Rawan-esque. 
in a lot of ways, I'm kind of obsessed with this movie because it really is, again, just bad on every instance. A lot of the dialogue was cut in such a strange way as well. Like, everyone felt like they were interrupting each other. Yeah. Even when they weren't. And, like, I know movies are male-dominated. I know that, obviously. And I still enjoy a lot of male-dominated movies because there's been a lot of good ones. Yeah. The numbers add up. There's got to be a few goodies in there. When I was watching this film, I was just so keenly aware that it was made by men because it was just so stupid and boring Mm. and just so one note. And all of the male characters were driven by, like, testosterone and ego and this desire to win. And it's not interesting. It's not interesting. Well, there's other movies that are about the need to win that that are better. Again, I, I, I believe Whiplash is kind of like that. But what I was saying, like uh, Whiplash is, yeah, Whiplash is, but it's not just about winning. It's the fact that this guy puts everything before, yeah, e- everything beneath his goal to win, and it doesn't pay off. Mm. It doesn't pay off. It pays off in a different way. There's a bittersweet ending to it, but he doesn't get what he wants because he realizes that his his desire to win and achieve what he wants is ruining the other parts of his life. It's yeah. affecting everyone around him negatively. That's cool. This didn't do that. Well, this th- didn't have the time to do it. They were too busy racing. This didn't do for- anything. This isn't a movie about anything or for anyone. <laughs> no. It's just a vehicle for Stallone to get a bunch of, like, hunky actors in to talk about winning a sport for about two hours. You know what they really needed? They needed, like, a a new guy on the team, or maybe it was DeMille, or just someone who is new to the world. Yeah. So that another character can explain things to them as an audience surrogate. Because when they started talking about a blocker, it felt, like, very, like it would be breaking the rules. And I didn't understand what it was or what they did. And then there was the whole thing where they, like, pulled Joe into the pit stop so that he can then cut off Brandenburg at the right moment. But I don't, I didn't understand enough about how the racing works to understand what the fuck was going on. They made it seem like such a sinister moment. Did, was he just pulled aside so he could refuel his car? No, no, no. So it was specifically... Uh, to do with, like, the, the way that the pit stop works is you get, like, a faster exit out. He was pulling him aside so that he would be in the right position so that when he came out of the pit stop, he would be cutting off Brandenburg yeah. so that Brandenburg couldn't overtake Jimmy. So why was why was Stallone upset about it? I guess Joe didn't think that it was the right way to win. They didn't convey that at all. No. At all. We had no idea what was going on. We were like, what is... They made it seem so sinister. They played this weird music over it and you could see Stallone was upset and there's Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds was in this film. Yeah. Sitting there being like, I know you don't like it, Joe. And you're like, why doesn't he like it? What's going on? Why are they all so upset? You haven't established what's going on. He seemed to be the only one who got it. And... It, this is what I mean. The payoff was nothing. It's like when he was doing the coin trick, but I don't know enough about racing, and they didn't explain what he was doing. We just see him put coins down, and then someone's like, huh, I'm gonna check, check it out. And I'm like, what? Do what? And then it's like two full minutes of watching him drive a car, and I'm like, now what? Yeah. And then and then it turns out he drove over all the coins, which I got at the end. I'm like, oh, he was so good at driving. He could drive on all the coins. That was apparently a real trick that a real race car driver does. Oh, okay, right? got you. I, someone who doesn't care about race car driving, don't know that. Tell me, movie. I wanted to know. Me I so, too. I so desperately wanted to know. We were desperate to understand anything that was happening. I don't inherently like sports movies, but I do actually like movies that are about 
a thing and then they explain the thing. That's always fun. Like mm-hmm. if a movie's about fucking rock climbing and there's someone who goes like, there's like someone's on a date and then the the guy is on the date with the rock climbing woman and he's like, what's this? And she's like, oh, this is an A15. You got to do this. And you know, there's some like spunky music going because it's act 2A and it's all fun. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, yeah, you do this. And you see her be really good at it. And she explains the stakes. And I'm like, okay, now I know more about rock climbing and also the character. Uh, This movie needed that. I need to turn my brain off because when you were describing that and you said it was like an act 2A, I was like, act 2A? What? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) That doesn't make sense. What what is this movie about? Why would that not be an act 2A? Because like, what's the actual premise of your hypothetical film? She's, she's rock climbing. She's... She's the the rock climber and she's really struggling because it's the upcoming rock climbing competition. Okay. Right? Her rival who uh was really mean to her in high school is is the current champ of rock climbing. She's a bit of an underdog uh yeah. and she she almost won it like 4 years ago. Uh but then she tried to do this particular maneuver and then she accidentally fell and the way she fell she broke her wrist so she couldn't do it and then the, And she lost yeah. her manager as well. Her manager pulled out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's also um, pretty but she doesn't know it. Yeah, and so like she's she's the fastest rock climber they've ever seen but on that wall she's she's never done it again cuz she's too scared about it. Uh, and she's got that little that little twitch in her leg as well. Yeah. That physical injury she's a, left over. She has a great relationship with her mother, but her dad died. But it was like years ago, so it's not a central thing, but it's just important to her story. And But now she's trying to see this guy because, you know, she's trying to f- balance her personal life and her love of climbing rock. Mm. Um, that's, that's the first act. And then so this is act 2A. The guy is coming into her world. And we know that she's about rock climbing competitions, but this is where she has to explain to the audience, here are the actual literal stakes of what I'm doing. Wait, she's but already so on is her the, way guy, doing the guy that she's trying to fuck? Is yeah. She's trying to fall in love with him? Yeah. Right, okay. She would have met him earlier in the movie. They're now starting to get serious, so he's starting to blend the worlds. She's starting to blend the worlds together. Yeah. Okay, all right. No, you're selling me here. Thank you. I'm just trying to figure out what your inciting incident would be. We can plan this later because yeah. we're obviously going to write this movie. It, it was just a bit. What? <laughs> this is my craft, Michelle. <laughs> this is what I do. And it turns out my funnies are just as good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking the biggest rock that this character has to climb is the is the symbolic rock of her inability to trust again. Well, exactly. Yeah. She and has that's, to, what she, that's what she climbs with him. She There's would be whole... able to climb the same wall that made her spin out in her career until she learns to trust herself. Until she learns to, to climb the wall that she puts up between her and other people, man. Exactly. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Let's make this film. We'll make $200,000. That's not that much money. For a script. Oh, I thought you meant we'll make like it'll gross two hundred thousand dollars when it's released because that's a, that's not much I'm money. Not a filmmaker, I'm a screenwriter. <laughs> My business is words. <laughs> My craft is pen to paper. I live a solitary life. You hand write it? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's bananas. <laughs> it takes so long. Um. Yeah. So th- this fucking movie was a real overload in my brain. Um. I want to talk about it for the rest of my life. I'm really keen to to hear about it because right. you seemed so. I'll I'll go into the trivia just because there's a lot of trivia, okay. and I want to leave room for runway with each of them, comedic runway. Um. So first thing, 
This one actually answered a question that I had, which was what sport are they doing? Um, So the film was originally going to be based on Formula One racing, but Stallone found he couldn't procure enough information about it due to the secrecy surrounding the cars and their teams. Instead, he based it on the Kart Champ Car Racing Championships, based on the more American IndyCar style of racing. There are numerous errors in the film present from earlier drafts when it was still based on Formula One, and Cut itself went bankrupt two years after the film premiered. Wow. So that explained to me what the fuck sport it was. Because I thought it was Formula One, because I don't know enough about open... It's called open wheel It's all the racing. same to me. I can't think yeah. of anything I'd want to watch less than this uh, than car racing. Yeah. Car racing is so boring to me. I hate when it's just a big circle. Yeah. That's also, when it's boring. When it's like a windy thing, I'm like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. It sounds silly, but like sports are often like physical feats of like strength or perseverance. Mm. Um, and there's something that you do with your body. And the idea of just seeing people in these big steel machines racing around a track is less interesting to me. Well, that's why like, I know if, it's its own skill. And it's I like completely windy, appreciate that. Then I'm like, how are they getting around the cars? Yeah, those, that, big, those big wide which rings. Is the big and it, circle. As I told you in the movie, they're like showing like the culture of these, of these championships and yeah. all the people that come there. And it just made it look so lame. You see these like, these big dudes in these like scooters. Cause they're too lazy to walk. Yeah. You see these like, ch- bl- they're all like platinum blonde cheerleaders that are like, yeah. Fucking cheering well, the, the fucking drivers on. And like, there's all these people just eating greasy food. And I'm like, this doesn't look fun. This looks dumb. If you've ever heard of the Indy 500, that's <sighs> this sport. It's lame. It is lame. It is lame. It's very lame. They used to always be on NASCAR tracks, but now they're sort of blend it between NASCAR tracks and Formula One I just tracks. don't find any, like, romance in the sport. And I don't no, find yeah. it visually interesting either. I don't care. I feel like it, there could be a good movie about it. I think the potential is there. I don't think it's the most interesting there, car sport to do it. There is a good movie about it. It's Talladega Nights. That's Thank you true. very much. Well, I kept making the comparison to cars while Thank watching the movie. I was like, oh, so Brandenburg is like the green guy with the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's my main frame of reference for a car racing movie. And car racing takes up maybe 5% of the movie Cars. Most of it is that's just... That's probably why it's so good. A guy in a small town. Which makes it so good. Well, I didn't like it and I... I really, I actually really didn't like Cars. No, Cars is very silly. I know it's not good, and yet I like it anyway. It is definitely the moment that Pixar stopped being the dream machine that yeah. only made masterpieces. It really was just like this, the edge of a cliff. Yeah, and then Cars Two was the fall, <laughs> was the crash site at the bottom. It re- it was it was by the way quite literally the first negatively received Pixar movie, Oof. Cars Two. That's Oof. not trivia related to this. Um, so next thing, the film's director is Rennie Harlan, a Finnish film director known for making other critical flops, such as The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, Deep Blue Sea, and Cutthroat Island, which for a time held the record for biggest box office flop of all time. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine being that guy? I wouldn't want to get I up know. in the morning. I'd be like, oh, I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that dude. <laughs> He also made Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which famously squandered all the goodwill that Nightmare on Elm Street 3 regained the franchise. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's he's not good. Deep Blue Sea is a movie that might also be on this list, by the way. 
the only reason I know Deep Blue Sea is that I used to put copies of it away at JB Hi-Fi and one time I went to Pub Trivia and there was a little thing where the, there was an anagram and we had to swap mm. it around and it was the title of a movie and I was like, oh, it's Deep Blue Sea. Nice. Um, and, yeah, it helped us win the game and um, I'm uh, pretty proud of that. It's really bad. It's really Get quite Get me on your awful. trivia team. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, guys, if you Viewers, need tri- Yeah, if you need trivia. a trivia, mate, um, email us at... Rating descending. Rating descending. Uh, no. It's not rating. No. Rating descending at gmail.com. It's the easiest Love email. <laughs> um, according to director Rennie Harlan's commentary, his first cut of the movie was four hours long. 51 minutes of deleted footage was included as a special feature on the DVD. I don't think it's 51 deleted like minutes of footage. I think what they did is they just got the movie that was four hours and they squished it into two because it was so fast. So fast and also still felt bloated. Yes. I can't possibly imagine what interesting content was in the four-hour cut of this movie. It was so fast and yet it went on forever. It did. The pacing was incredibly quick and you just really wanted it to end. Yeah. It was actually like, so when we had our little Halloween weekend, I took this like weed brownie and it had too much. Like I was like fucking seeing the devil. Mm. Um, And we were watching The Exorcist, so that didn't help. Um, And I literally had to like take a break and I felt like I had motion sickness um, because I was too far gone then we watched this the next day and i was like i feel the same as i did when i was too far gone yesterday yeah i need to go sit in the garden and have a breather i'm getting motion sickness from this movie yeah yeah it's it was really a lot i feel like you could have cut the whole japan sequence I love how they were like, we're in Japan, so we'll film it in what is obviously an american hotel and put a big (laughs) japanese flag um A couple little ones. The visual effects producer was Matt Hullum, who would go on to co-found Rooster Teeth. Oh. He was the CEO for a long time. I bet he tries to avoid bringing this one up. (laughs) Yeah, I worked in a movie once. That's the versus Stallone. Um, The working title was Champs, which I think might have been a better title, though, because they're called Champ Cars. I love the term Champ. I love calling people Champ. Yeah. Champ is fun. It's like a power move, but you're also empowering them by calling them a Champ. Another piece of trivia, uh, Estella Warren won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress for not only this movie, but also for Planet of the Apes, which came out the same year. Did no one else get a Razzie for this? It got a lot of nominations. That This was the only win. I don't think she deserved the win. Well, she wasn't the worst combining Driven with Planet of the Apes, I think is what tipped it over for her. Guess so. I just thought it was funny that she was in the two two of the worst movies of the year. She also, by the way, like her career really peaked in 2001 to 2004 and she seems like a bad person. Oh. Her Wikipedia photo is also not flattering. Why? Someone has intentionally picked a bad photo of oh, her. Oh, interesting. Um <laughs> In virtually every scene where someone is walking through a crowd, the people around the main characters change from shot to shot. Yeah. <laughs> There's also outrageous amounts of continuity issues in oh, this film. Oh, I'm sure. Um, during the race in Germany, the one with the rain, it is sunny in several shoots, although it is apparently raining and the streets are wet. Yeah. Now, this is to do with a larger piece of trivia. So in the original version of the film, when Memo's car wrecks and is thrown upside down in the river, Joe Tanto jumped in the river with Jimmy Bly to save him. Bo Brandenburg was not involved in the scene at all originally, but director Rennie Harlan thought that it made 
Brandenburg's characters look totally heartless. So Stallone rewrote the scene with taking his character Joe Tanto out of it completely. He instead put his character in the pits the entire time. The scene was partly reshot in a similar location in California instead of returning to Germany where the original scene was filmed. Stallone wrote that the Brandenburg character turns his car around and helps save Memo from drowning. Parts of the original scene featuring Joe Tanto were, for the most part, not reshot. He was digitally erased out of the scene. Aside from this scene, other scenes involving Brandenburg were rewritten during film- filming to make his character more likable and misunderstood. Um, so that's why that scene has a lot of continuity issues, is they reshot half of it in the sun instead of in the rain, and then also just edit it out. There's also a different continuity error to do with that scene, which is that the fuel used in kart racing cars is methanol, not normal gas. So it does not float on water as gasoline does. So it wouldn't have set on fire and exploded. And it's also a clear instead of yellow with a black smoke. So it would have mixed with the water and not set on fire at all. Wow. There's really a lot of problems with that one scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the photographers at the media event is taking photos without a lens, which I thought was just a fun little one. And I love this one too. Similar to how that Germany scene was a real fuck fest. The scene where Joe and Jimmy steal the cars could not have happened in part because cart cars do not have onboard starters. They can't be started from the cockpit at all. You would need a crew member with a starter motor at the back of the car to fire the engine. Also, most racing cars at shows and parties like this are usually dummy display models without real engines inside. Also, if the cars had actually been authentic and could have been started, they likely would have had no fuel aboard, as most city fire departments have strict regulations on a show like this, especially inside a hotel. There's just a lot they didn't seem to bother to think about. Yeah. (laughs) That was all my trivia about it. So many continuity issues. It's, It's really just all of the trivia is just... They didn't, nobody really stopped to think about a lot of this movie. (laughs) I'm, as I've mentioned numerous times in this podcast, I'm writing an action film. It's on my mind a lot. All of these logicking things where it's like, oh, I need to investigate how that works. Like Mm. I, I keep doing this thing that I think Stallone did it, did too, where he's like, he has a general idea of what would look cool. Yeah. So he goes about doing it, but it's not what you could actually do in reality or it yeah. wouldn't be present in reality. You'd get it. Like, yeah, just I, I almost sympathize with him because I feel like I would make the same mistakes if I wrote a film. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then the oil goes to the surface and then there's a fire on a tree and then the tree is going to fall onto the and then it's going to go boom. Well, also him drowning in the lake in the crash is already exciting. It didn't need to be an explosion. I kind of liked the extra layer of the flaming tree falling. I liked it. I was like, oh, it's a ticking clock, but it's a falling tree. But if, if it was the flaming tree falling, that's something. But the car exploding in a gigantic explosion, I don't feel necessarily added anything. That was a bit much. It was a lot. Yeah. It was also just fundamentally odd how they did get out of the car and go after him, especially since in some of the other races we see equally vicious Rex, and it just makes me feel like they don't actually care about other races. I was going to say, I love how every time there was a different wreck, it was like, oh, look at that. But then there was a big wreck for the main character. It was so, so horrific. There was slow motion. There was yeah. tragic music. It's like, what about the other fucking races that we've seen die? Yeah. <laughs> we saw one that definitely would have been people's death, right? Yeah, yeah. we did. 100%. Like, we just watched two men die 
and now we're just going to continue with the scene. Yeah. This is not a sport where there's deaths all the time. No. I <laughs> remember in the car crash where they thought all three of the men had died and then yeah. the guy in the helicopter's like, well, they worked together. And we were like, if yeah. they're writing them off as dead, <laughs> these dudes think they died. And the first thing they said was, well, at least they worked as a team. <laughs> The natural reaction would be like, holy shit. I know. Three great races just died. Get an ambulance. Get a fucking ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> I just want movies where people react to death as a human being would. Yeah. Like a death is a, is a big thing. Yeah. And just, just to immediately moralize it to a crowd of people. God. What a silly movie. Also, I think because you know how I said it starts and it's like he's already won five races and stuff. Mm. Not only did I not get that, I feel like it's an odd choice that we start like halfway through. feels like we're halfway through a six-hour movie. Obviously Stallone has a basic sense of structure, but he did not demonstrate that in this film. No. I'm like, Stallone, I know you can you can structure out a movie. I can feel that you're hitting all the points you need to hit, but they're also mangled and wrong mm. and not satisfying at all. Like we thought that the big car crash explosion, whoops, we thought the big car crash explosion was the finale. Yeah. And then it kept going. There was like another 30 minutes after that. It's like that TikTok where that woman's like, more, there's more? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> Thanks, TikTok. Wow. Keeping me hip and fresh. You, you Gen Zers enjoy that one? Hey. I've got plenty more in the bag. Uh, um, and that's some, that's cat. That's some cat. That's on cat. That, that, that's that's cat. That's totally poggers, King. <laughs> Driven was poggers, King. <laughs> are we old or are we young? We're, we're old. We're old. We're getting old now. I don't understand things on the internet like I used to. But we had our moment in the sun. No, we didn't. That wasn't us. That was other people. <laughs> our clones. That's... <laughs> That we want to fuck. No! No! You look me dead in the eyes and you tell me that you don't want to fuck your clone. I don't want to fuck my clone. All right. <laughs> it was really easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, let, me, let me go to the reviews. Mm. Um, so I've only got two. One was just... Uh, when Jay Leno appeared as a guest critic on the television show Eber and Roper, both Leno and Richard Roper described Driven as the worst car film ever made and a terrible depiction of auto racing. Stallone subsequently has said he regrets making the film. He regrets making the film. We're talking about Sylvester Stallone. He's made a bunch of bad movies. Yeah. This is the one he regrets. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I would recommend people see this film because it's so stupid. I really would. It's not a good time, but we'll, it's ridiculous. We'll get to that. Okay. Um. So the next review I have, this is the other review I've got. It's a 10 out of 10 by Ion Mech in 2001. Uh, and the title of it is, Who would have thought this movie would be so good? <laughs> 
I watched the new and read the papers and began to expect an okay, fast-paced movie that would still be fun, but not a good movie. I would now like to completely disagree with every critic who gave a poor rating to this movie. You go, King. There were times in the movie where I got angry at something happening, but then very shortly afterwards, the problem that kind of annoyed me was solved perfectly and made the movie continue to flow. The weird thing about the movie is how there are about four main characters all in the movie about an equal amount of time and all equally heroic and fun to watch. And even at the point where you think they're just going to screw up the whole movie, something happens to smooth out the bumps. And next, not only was the songs for the movie integrated really well into what was happening, but all the songs kicked. The first thing I'm going to do tomorrow is go out and buy the soundtrack. I would write more, but I'd probably take up another five paragraphs explaining how perfectly the movie worked out its problems and everything you wanted to happen, or something even better than what you wanted to happen, does. This movie was incredible. 10 out of 10. I want to be as happy as this man. Yeah. Because it's obviously a man. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I want to have that just complete joy from this absolute fuckfest. <laughs> Michelle, why are we doing this to ourselves? This one made me reinvigorated. Yeah. Yeah. This, it was fun. The experience of watching this actually kind of felt like uh, a supercut of all 15 movies we watched so far <laughs> compressed into two hours. No, I just, I sometimes I do wake up in the middle of the night and wonder why we're subjecting ourselves to this terrible, terrible experiment. Will I become a worse writer? Mm. Probably. Probably. I I think it's uh it's likely traced back to some sort of uh ego or narcissism in the fact that we kind of think it would be fun to make a podcast because we like podcasts and then ultimately we want people to listen to it. But we both also know that that's not why we're doing it. We're also just doing it because we think it's funny. Mm. And then I re-listen to it and I think it's funny. Oh. Yeah, Aww. and I, I I feel like I'm not supposed to think that it's funny, but I think it's funny. I re-listen to the episode sometimes. I'm one of the li- I subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you? What rating would you give Driven? I would give Driven a five. A five. The reason being, it would be a two for quality. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It would be a two for quality. <laughs> it's a two. <laughs> Let me go back. Let me go back. I think it's a two. <laughs> it's really poor. <laughs> I think it's a two as well. Yeah. I was about to say, you know, the cinematography was okay. It no, wasn't. it wasn't. The direction wasn't good. The editing wasn't good. The screenplay wasn't good. Um, I was going to say it was joyous, but watching it wasn't joyous. I, I just laughed. Can't think of anything good about this movie, it's, and yet it wasn't as bad as others. Yeah, it didn't make me angry in the yeah. same way that some other movies did, but it really was very poorly made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll give it a two as yeah, well. Two's, two's good. Hi, yeah. two gang. Hi, two gang. Together we make four. <laughs> but even though it's a two, I would recommend. I would watch it again. Yeah. It and New Moon and Fifty Shades Darker are on my would watch again. And Rawan. Oh, and Rawan. Well, Thank yeah, you. that of course, mm. yeah. Those are my watch agains, but this is a two. Yeah, <laughs> it's the lowest out of all of them. Yeah. Did I give Rawan a seven out of ten? I think I did. Yeah, you did. I legit liked it that much. <laughs> um, 
Amazing. Yeah. That was a lot. It really was a lot. And I, I feel like I could talk about this movie forever. Like, there's so much to unpack. I, I want to teach classes about this movie. Do it. Just be, be like, want to see how to not edit a film? Yeah. <laughs> this is how important placing characters in a scene is in your edit. <laughs> um, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching The Island of Dr. Moreau, <gasps> 1996. Ooh, that sounds so that sounds sexy, baby. Oh. Uh. You want a hug? You want a hug? Yeah, I, we can stop recording and have a hug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, step, 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 arms around. <laughs> I absorb you. <laughs> it's already done. It's done. It's done. We would have faded out by this point. <laughs> <laughs>